0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, so I get this, and that is why I started Alzheimer Speaks. It's about raising everyone's voice around the world from those living with the disease to family members researchers people who have services products and tools we have authors we have musicians movie directors all types of advocates and maybe just maybe you can be our next guest just feel free to reach out to me i would love to hear from you if you liked our opening music it's called clarion call by the mark arneson band and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms Now, before we get into our conversation today, I always like to do a few shout outs. And so first, I want to give a shout out to Dementia Map. Dementia Map is a creation with myself and Dave Wiedrich, who is the founder of the Memory Cafe directory. And Dementia Map is a resource directory with over 150 categories you can search. We've broken them down into seven easy categories. There's also a calendar of events that has lots of free things that you can participate and get yourself educated through, as well as a glossary because we know you don't know what you don't know when when uh, dementia comes and knocks on your door. There's also a blog that has uh, wonderful articles as well. So go to DementiaMap.com and um, check it out. Let me know what you think. And if you are a service provider um, or have some information you would like to share on the site, just reach out to me and I will make sure that you get all set up on that. Now, you might not have heard of Picnic Health. Picnic Health is an Alzheimer's uh, research study, and it's really easy to do. What they do is they, they collect and digitize all of your Um, Medical records into one online account, and then you can consent permission for them to share anonymized data of your records. And then medical researchers can kind of go in and dig around and find out what's going on in the real world. And they can get information that they wouldn't have normally gotten from just a regular trial. And for doing this, you'll get $25. So you can go to picnichealth.com forward slash speaks. And sign up today. And if you are caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease, you can sign them up as well, as long as you have the legal authority to do that. Again, just go to picnichealth.com forward slash speaks and pick up your $25 and push that research forward. Now with the pandemic still going on, I know people are in need of support. And so Arthur Senior Care, continues to sponsor our memory cafe, Arthur's Memory Cafe, which is for people with dementia and their care partners. And we do that twice a month on the second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central. So that would be two o'clock Eastern, noon Mountain Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. We are doing that virtually during COVID. And so you are more than welcome to join us. Also, if you're in Minnesota, I do a Caregiver Connect program, and that is sponsored by Brookdale North Oaks and the Shoreview Parks and Rec Center. And we meet at the Shoreview Community Center the last Wednesday of each month from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. Now, the last two months, we have gone virtual. So um, if that's of interest to you, reach out to me because we will definitely let you know where things are sitting regarding that. Next, we're going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and they are experts on senior care. And they're going to highlight for us why they think the footbar walker is such an excellent tool
1: Adapt it.
0: Okay, so we're back and we are going to talk today about burdens, treatments, and potential cures for dementia with Haim Ismal, And he is a German medical doctor and scientist. And by heart and experience and enthusiasm, he has written a book, which I'm going to say the title in English, and I'll let him say the title in German, is Suffer and Laugh. Um, which we're going to discuss today. In addition, um, we will get Heim's uh, thoughts about burdens of care and thoughts of treatment and potential cure. And let me tell you, he is at the center of this with his own family as well. So Haim, I'm so excited to have you with us today. I said the title of your book in English, Suffer and Laugh, and I'm going to let you go ahead and tell them the title in German, because I didn't want to crucify the, the name in German, which I was sure I was going to do.
2: Okay, okay, uh, first of all, Loyal, uh, thank you very much. It's really a pleasure to be in your show today. Yes, the the title of my book, I would say the booklet. It's not it's not three hundred pages. It's less. It's around about one hundred. So it's short, but I hope it, it gives. Good overview about all that, what might be important for sufferers and, and uh, family members. So in German, the, the title is Alzheimer' Demenz, Leiden and Lachen.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Um, now, before we get started, I always ask everybody if they have been touched personally by dementia in their own Family and circle of friends, and so I haven't given anything away. Um, I just told them that you have definitely been touched, and I would let you go ahead and summarize that for us. Yeah,
2: yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Laurie. Yes, uh, if you have had, would ask me, some nine nine months ago, I would say I have never been in contact. So I know quite quite a lot of people, friends, um, and colleagues, which have family members, which have friends or who have friends who, who suffer from dementia, or in most cases, Alzheimer's, but I was never affected or involved. But this changed rapidly um, in last spring, when I was informed that my mother was diagnosed or was diagnosed with Alzheimer's.
3: And then it all, all started.
0: And it does just kind of all start. You know, once, you, once it hits, there's kind of no going back. You know, yeah. with that diagnosis and all the pieces kind of start falling together in the in the puzzle that may have been a little bit confusing um, prior to. So thank you for for sharing that. You know, you've you've written this workbook. And did this come out of your dealings, you know, with your with your own parents?
2: Yes, yes, it, it, it came. So, um, you, you know, I'm a I'm doctor by profession. Mm-hmm. So I, I have had a professional contact with with patients who who have suffered from Alzheimer's, but this was again this was professional, and it's not my uh, specific task. Uh, by by profession, I'm a um, pulmonologist and allergologist. Now working since around about twenty five years in pharma industry in pharmacovigilance, um, and. And there have been contacts, but again, this was totally unemotional. This was rational, this was professional.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then yeah, let's say we can say out of the blue, I, I got the, the information um that my, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And then yes, I was I was really thinking, why you didn't saw this in advance, I mean, um, I have have to say that the last time I've seen my mother before was around about one year, and this was only for a few hours, and my mother is 80 years old now, and yes, she's not 60, she's not 70, she's 80, so you think this, this is normal aging, but then it turned out it's not. Yes, and then I was... Yeah, confronted with quite a lot of things to do, to think about. And um, yes, um, yes, from today's point of perspective, I would say I had the chance to learn quite a lot. I had to in a very short period of time. And even um, organize how how to learn in a short period of time as much as possible.
0: It's interesting when a lot of us are in the business of healthcare and you you know about it, but when it hits your own family, um, everyone says it's really different. Did you feel that too?
2: Yes, totally. So I have to admit that I'm, no one of my friends would say I'm an emotional type. Mm -hmm.
3: They
2: would say, okay, um, he's a funny guy sometimes, but he's very rational. Uh, But if you are, Exposed to and involved personally, uh, you change your role. So, I, I was not a doctor. Um, sadly, I was the son of a mother diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And then to come back, to try to look from outside in. And uh, what, what I did um, after a few weeks when I saw oh, it's really hard to, to handle that from an emotional perspective, from all the things I had to do, and I had no experience in. I I call it my project Alzheimer. Because in business, um, I'm used to make projects. And a project, uh, or one of the project definitions I I very much like, is a project is something innovative with a clear target you have never, never done before. And you should um, target very clearly what you want to do and time and resources. And that's it. I mean, in daily life, exactly that's it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And so for you, I I like that you termed it innovative. You want to do something different um, and you wanted to target something very specific. Let's talk first about from your perspective, what was the biggest burden um, to you and your family and to your mom as well regarding Alzheimer's and dementia? And were those different for different people?
3: Yeah. Um,
2: yes. I, I think it's not, I think it's not that. Okay. On one hand, it's very easy to to answer that. On the other hand, it's not because there were such a lot of moments, emotional moments and, I think this, this is the first burden. So the first hurdle is to, yes, really to accept the diagnosis. It's not, it's not only a cold or it's not even pneumonia. It's it's even not, let's say cancer, where you in most cases can do something. So there is a, you, you might have a chance to, to influence to work for better situation of the patient. And so, first of all, suddenly the patient, I will still call my mother a patient for me, just from my profession, um, she's not only a patient, she's y- y- your mother. And this, on one hand, makes it very easy for all your efforts to you do. On the other hand, I personally try wherever possible to, to step back and to look from outside, not being too much involved. And thus this was, as I would say, the I would say it's 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 a kind of a bird, it's a parallel. And it becomes easier when I accept that she has a dementia. Whether it's Alzheimer or not, it's, it's not, it might be somewhat academic. But at the end, it's it's the symptomatic she had, or she has. And in addition, also the situation of my father, who is, or was at that time 86 years old, so even not a young man. Um, they were around about 60 years together. And um, for him, it was also a very difficult situation, which then, and this turned out some weeks ago, when we talked before, Lori, um, he also starts to have dementia now. So this this t- t- turns out, so it's not even the situation he was confronted with and, and totally overloaded, but he also develops the dementia.
0: Which has to be really, really hard to be having two parents now that you're told have dementia. Are you close distance-wise? Fortunately,
2: after around about 25 years living in the south of Germany. I know turned um, some months before. I turned to uh, turn to the north of, of Germany, um, to Hamburg, where my parents live. So it's round about by car, let's say half an hour. But the, the I mean the the distance in kilometers is not that problem. It's it's often the your day-to-day work, your, all the meetings, all, all the stuff you have to do. And, and this was also very problematic for me, even if I made um, a date with them, some, sometimes they, they do not open the door. They never react. Although I, I know they, they, they are there. We had an appointment. Um, they didn't open the, the, uh, the door. Only after ten minutes, ring or calling them or all that stuff, uh, which also is due to the the disease there. Yeah.
0: So, are they open to like giving you a key so that you can get into the apartment, or because I know some families aren't comfortable in terms of yeah, sharing yeah. certain things.
2: Yes, they gave me, and two weeks later they asked me to give back. And in addition, four weeks later they gave me again the key. In addition, four weeks they asked me to. to um, Give the back of the key. So this was even not that easy. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of, yeah, I would say on-off relationship. It's due to the to the disease.
0: Have you met with them at all in terms of getting legal paperwork in order? Because, you know, that could be a whole nother thing. And again, when there's resistance, yeah. it's it really complicated.
2: Yeah. Um, so fortunately, um, they, they uh, make these legal papers In 2008, um, the the problem or the situation in Germany is uh, that um, you you may be asked by by the government whether you or a professional should take care of them. And I was, I I have to say, I wasn't informed about the disease of my mother, directly by my parents, but by government. Because um, um, the, the doctor of my parents um, started a um, let's say a request at the government mm-hmm. that they need some help. So and then I, I was in this machinery. I will call it all the professions except me because oh, I was wow. again I was I was was out of the blue. I was not informed about. I got a letter. It um, was a found about this, uh, this um, care situation. And then I had a lot of calls, letters, and so on and so forth. And uh, the situation in Germany is that there are quite a lot of dementia patients, but there are only very few people from government who take care of that. Okay. So it's a bureaucratic problem.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, what has been for you the the most emotional piece of of dealing with all of this? I'm sure there's many.
2: May I answer for three emotionals? Sure. Okay, should not be more than three. Okay, <laughs> the, the, the um, there was one. Let's see. let I would I would say see, it's, a, it's a kind of a story. Um, when I visit my parents. I was sitting with my, my mom on the balcony. It was a warm, sunny weather in September. And I thought, okay, today she has a quite good day. But then I I tried to to see whether my impression is true. And then I asked her some very, I would say, easy questions. So So starting with, uh, hey, mom, do you know uh, what day we have today? And she said, oh, no, not really. And I said, "Okay, it's it's not a problem, but do you know what, what day of the week we have today? And as I was visiting my parents more or less every Sunday, it should be Sunday. And she even thought about that one minute, two minutes, and then she said, I'm, I'm not really sure, but it's not a problem, isn't it? And I said, sure, it's not a problem, I'm here and you do not have another appointment, so this may happen. And then I asked her some other questions, such as, um, do you know what season we have? And then I, I, I see, or I saw that she was looking around on the balcony, uh, looking for the weather, the temperature, um, the trees. And then she said, "Ah, it's not summer, isn't it? And I said, no, it's not really. How? Then it, it, it must be somewhat later. And I said, yes, you yeah, are true. And then I asked her, uh, by the way, um, do you know the name of the street you are living in? And again, she was thinking about, looking at me, thinking longer. And then she said, I'm, I'm not really sure. And I said, oh, it's not a problem. I'm, I'm not, not sure. So don't be angry. It, it's, it's really, it's not a problem. Uh, and you have to know that my parents are living in the street for more than 50 years now. Okay. And then I asked her, do you know the name of my oldest son? And then again, she was looking at me and then she said, do you really have children? So that after, uh, I think we were six, seven questions, um, suddenly I really started to cry. And to be honest, I cannot remember when I cried the last time for 10, 15, 15 years and I even don't know when and why. And then she asked me, what, what is crying? What, they are crying. Um, and then I told her that for me it's so so hard to see that she is not oriented whether in time nor in location. And then she said you do not need to cry. I'm, I'm not unhappy. I, I feel well. And everything will be fine. And so let's say that the contrast between What is fact and what what she feels it was it was a kind of bizarre i think Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and okay then um, it was a very nice afternoon after that but this was very very emotional yes and the, the the second emotional point was um some weeks um ago And it turns out, as I mentioned before, that my father also has dementia. And as I said before, it was not that easy to accept that my mother has Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Alzheimer's. But then suddenly the diagnosis of my father, which I thought would be much more easier to accept because I was kind of trained by my mother's dementia, Mm -hmm. but it was not, it was somewhat harder, I thought. And I even thought at that time to stop my my book project. And I started the book project just to to write down these anecdotes, these stories, just to cope a little bit with the situation. But at that time, I really, really thought to skip that. But obviously, I did not.
0: Which is good. You know, with both of those situations, it is hard to accept. Um, But what I loved with your mom was she said, it's okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. And I think that's what all of us as care partners have to get is we have to get out of our head and our yes. loss. And, and that, that took me a long time. You know, my mom lived with dementia for 30 years and I came up with a tool called Your Memory Chip. And I decided I had to put her first before any of my to-do lists or any of my visits. And it was it really exactly what your mom was saying, and I had to focus on was she safe? Was she happy? Was she pain free? Those were my objectives, you know, to kind of just make sure that she was okay, versus getting things done, you know, doing those tasks which are are busy work and stuff for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, even if, um, I, I totally agree with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's it's um, thinking differently.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, um, it, it is totally different when you are a, a medical doctor. You are not in the center, but just around the patient.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But in this situation, I was with my mother, and I'm, I'm now with my father. For some reasons, it turns out that that sometimes I was in the center, whereas my my parents parents should. And again, this is what what I meant with stepping out looking from outside into the situation, just mm-hmm. focusing on, on my parents. And yes, um, I, I, I think it's... Um, so what, what I tried to, to do when, when I'm visiting them was to, let's say we had three hours time together. I, or we had one hour to discuss and to talk about all the things which have to be done which need to be um, forwarded,
3: mm-hmm.
2: all that stuff. So the musts. But the other two hours, we just had, had fun. We just talked about what server, and we were laughing. Um, sometimes we were laughing without any reason. I mean, there, there was good reason not to laugh, uh, but having a good time. And this is something I really learned again. <clears throat> That for them, as for me, have a good time is the most important thing.
0: yeah, I agree. and I think so often as family members, we give up the laughter and the fun because we take disease so seriously and and we give that over to our relationship. and yet laughter, you know, I haven't met anybody who doesn't like to laugh, who doesn't appreciate having a good time because you're just you're you're relaxed and You're present in the moment. I mean, there's so many benefits to, you know, physically um, and physiology wise to laughing, you know, the the chemistry changes um, and there's, you know, creates memories, which are all emotional. And so those are good things to be able to draw on. I wanted to also mention, you know, when you thought, when you said to yourself, I thought it would be easier with dad accepting his but then it's really kind of a double whammy so you're dealing with your mom but you still have your dad to kind of rationalize and evaluate what's going on and now you don't now you don't have that springboard anymore and i think that that's very common for families who you know get hit twice by that it's like well i should have a handle on this it should be it should be easier i i know the process but it's still loss um It's still loss and there's grieving that has to be um, done and we all grieve differently and it hits us at different times. And I know um, Pauline, I don't know if you're familiar with Pauline Boss, but she's very well known here in the States and she's got a book about ambiguous loss and I interviewed her, I want to say last summer, last fall and she said, You know, we always thought there were these set stages to grief. And she says, We're all coming to realize that grief never goes away, it yeah. changes and it ebbs and flows. And so, um, you know, people are kind of looking for an out of when am I going to get over this? And, you know, my dad's been gone since 2001, my mom's been gone since 2015. And I still grieve for them, I still miss them, but I also was able to, like you, create some wonderful memories and stories of laughter. And I've learned that you know, you can't have great grief without first having great love. And that is a gift many people never experience. And so that kind of yeah. helps bring me out of the hole sometimes when i'm when I'm getting down, is to remember, those moments of laughter and fun and joy, or, or maybe just silence, just sitting in the presence of somebody you feel safe with, um, and comfortable. Those are, those are magnificent things, um, yeah. it shouldn't be undervalued. So yeah. I think those were really good points to make out. You said you had a third example, and if you have more, feel free. That's fine too.
2: <laughs> yes, um this was also. Uh, may I just just come back to to your to your comments on on, on laughing? Do you know that children, so young children, laugh about two hundred up to four hundred times a day, mm-hmm. so quite often. And as older we we become, as as less we are we are laughing. And let's say um, um, people in, in the age of sixty they only love 15 to 20 times a day. It's not, at the end, I can tell that that's not often enough. And and when I were at my parents, I I didn't count it, but my my feeling was, it was more than double the 20, it was 40 times or more. And then I I also, and this is also part of my book, I went into what, what do we know by science? about laughing, all the effect, what you can measure, the serotonin, and so on and so forth. And what what happens with all the hormones if we suffer? And this is, as yes, almost all in the medicine, it's not fully understood. It's not understood, but it's a little bit understood. So we can measure something and we have some um, hypothesis. Um, but what is quite interesting are the effects if you're laughing. I mean, not what you can measure um, chemically, but what you can see. And even you think that if you're laughing, I mean, a real laugh, not just a little bit, just really laughing, all your body, all, I I think it's more than 200 muscles are working. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really kind of a training, you feel good. And then I was looking, again, from a scientific perspective, and uh, what's about all these laughing therapies?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there are quite a lot, but at the end, there's not good scientific basis for that. It's, it's relatively poor. And interestingly, there's not one, even not one paper on the effects of love by Alzheimer. So there were quite a, it's quite often documented but it's not established as a therapy. Again, mm-hmm. just, just coming from my, from my point, point. Um, this is quite interesting because I think if you, uh, if you use it, I mean, not, not laughing just for laughing, but coming to situations where you, you laugh, this mm-hmm. is quite a, quite a good therapy for all of all.
0: Yeah, I had one colleague um, years ago that said we should really measure by smiles. happiness and and we don't do that we dig deeper and have to look for more and i love i don't know if you're familiar with the the movie alive inside Um, yes yes but talks about how music just makes people peaceful and happy and more engaged and what i find incredible with that is it's not just dementia but schizophrenia post-traumatic stress all kinds of uh, and just regular people, it, it, how it affects not only them, but the people around them as well. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you laughed because somebody you don't even know is just busting a gut and they can't stop <laughs> laughing and it, it just gets contagious yeah. <clears throat> and yet it feels funny and someone will say, what are you laughing about? I don't know, but it still feels really good you know, to laugh like that. And then that makes it almost funnier, you know, <laughs> and you laugh. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And it's a fit was, which, which lasts quite, quite a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, 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 it's, it's, it's lasting for a period. So it's not even laughing in the situation. Let's say 10 minutes later, you have to say, can you remember 10 minutes ago what we laughing? And you're laughing again. Yep. And if you remember on the evening about all the situations or all the fun you, you laugh about, it again works. And I was, I was really surprised that, again, this is not an established treatment in Alzheimer's. Um, and especially in Germany, uh, laugh therapy is not really established. There are quite a lot of countries where it's totally different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But in Germany, it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's very poor. It's, it's, it's Again, it's not really established.
0: There's a lot of um, laughter yoga people that are out there. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I participated in some of those groups and people go, ah, you know, it's a forced laugh and it is in the beginning. And then all of a sudden it's just not, you know, it's just funny and it's fun and you can, um, and I've seen this done of course with people with dementia and the eye contact that wasn't there before is now very easy for them to engage. And, you know, the different motions that might be happening. It's, it's kind of magical to watch, you know, with that. Why do, you, why do you think we don't have laughter, you know, as a prescription or music as a prescription uh, in terms of therapy?
2: I would tell you, I, I do not understand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, because why? It's um, quite often you are, uh, uh, I do not fully understand. There might be quite a lot of answers, hypotheses, comments. Um, so um, just starting with what is so problematic in, in clinical trials? Often it's the, the measurement of the endpoint. Um, without any doubt, as you said, counting smiles mm-hmm. a day over a period from the start to three months later. It's so easy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just count it, count it. Um, it's a cheap, it's a, it's a totally cheap treatment. It doesn't cost you anything except time, which might be very expensive, but it's time. It's not, not money. And you have to standardize. Um, and what, what I see is, this might be another reason, perhaps we we aim our targets for treating Alzheimer's are too high. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite often people say, oh, we need a we need a treatment um, to stop progress. We said to, to not starting the, the, the disease or, or whatsoever. But at the end, I think um, we, we also, at least at, at this point in time, come too late with early intervention. Because when we see or when, when Alzheimer's diagnosed, it might be 10 to 15 years ago when it started with all these molecular changes. And this might be something for the future. And I think there's also some some good evidence that we might have some of these tailored drugs in 10, 15 years. But what we can do now, in particular, if you look what these drugs we have available now are effective or are not, or have side effects without having a good efficacy. Um what we are looking at is symptomatic treatment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And what what should we better do than making the people feel good with laughing? I think it, it it should I think we should think differently. Yeah. should be more innovative, not not only um or, or starting from scratch, really starting from scratch, having a hypothesis which has already been proven by the largest peers and then put it on the side base
0: Well I think it's interesting when you talked about you know the expense and yet the expense could be time, yet you look at the expense the drug companies have in terms of developing these drugs I mean millions and sometimes billions of dollars on yeah, this. Can, yeah. and if, have, yeah. and if I, I, we I, I, took those funds and trained our staff to, yeah. you know, maybe count smiles. You know, it's a double whammy because you know, yeah, it's taking time. But if we invested it in education and did a trial in terms of looking at our collateral a little bit differently, we're going to build on relationships. Um, everybody's going to learn this technique. We're going to slow things down. We're going to stop thinking that there's a magic bullet that's going to fix everything. And we continue on with this fast paced life when we ignore human need out there. And, you know, especially through COVID, we've seen the impact multiplied by isolation and disconnection and people, you know, lacking in purpose. All of that goes away through laughter. I mean, you know, when you're doing this together, you're getting rid of The isolation, you're getting rid of not feeling purposeful or not feeling connected. And, you know, I talk with a lot of people living with dementia and they say, you know, those that are advocates and really out there that they've never felt as purposeful in their life as they do now living with this disease. And they're grateful it's, which sounds really backwards for having the disease, but it's opened the door. To many people they wouldn't have met, relationships they wouldn't have had, being able to help others and feel like this disease is not for anything. And so, you know, I would love to see the expansion of research on social connection and really changing the, the physiology um, within people.
2: Yeah, I totally agree, Lori. And um I mean, as it, is already mentioned, I, I worked for pharma and biotech industry. Mm-hmm. And I worked for um, research and development, then I changed into, into drug safety, what we call pharmacovigilance. So I think I have quite a lot of experience mm-hmm. about this business.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, to be honest, it's a business. So if a company tried to develop a new drug, this is... On one hand, to do something good, without any doubt. Otherwise, you can make another business. But you want to earn some money. You have to. I mean, for for several reasons. This is our our system. And um, to be honest, you will not ever earn quite a lot of money with laughing. Laughing is for free, except the time. So for free doesn't mean, mean money.
0: You know, it, it's free, but there could be, there could be educational programs, granted, not near to the $56,000, you know, for treatment that this new med came out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I look at even like with a live inside, you know, people had talked, just think if we could prescribe an iPad and getting that loaded, that would be under $100 probably. Totally
2: agree with you. I just I just uh, stated what the current situation is.
0: Yep, yep.
2: So, and to, 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 to get money, there are quite a, 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 quite a lot of different parts where, where you can get it. Mm-hmm. So from government, from societies, and so on and so forth. Um, and even if you can say, okay, we can earn some money, or we can do it for free, but it has to be paid. Mm-hmm. So again, we, we are at a stage where we should think differently, without uh, not keeping in mind that we need money
3: mm-hmm.
2: but again yeah. this is this is unfortunately this is still innovative
3: mm-hmm. I mean
2: it's it's 2022 mm-hmm. and we know since I mean in, in the, the old Greeks in, they know about the positive effects of laughing I mean and now as mentioned it's 2022 and we still do not apply systematically
0: Although we know that. yeah, I just think too, in terms of, and, and I understand the state, I understand, um, you know, the people lobbying, you know, for the, for the farmers and, and all of that. And I would like nothing better for this to go away, you know, so mm-hmm. I get that. But when you have something that works like music and laughter, um, building relationships, those could all be programs that could be prescribed through the doctor's office. Cause right now they don't get anything. You know, they people get pushed out the door unless it's different where you are, but people all over the world tell me they get a prescription, they get another appointment and they're told to get their affairs in order. Yeah. And if there were support services that wouldn't require near the cost factor to develop and yeah. set up those programs, you know, it's a win, it could be a win win on a lot of levels. Um, I, I and-
2: t- yeah. Sorry, I, I totally agree with you. Um but if you would if we say it's although it's quite an old knowledge we yeah, have, mm-hmm. it's still in the Yep. So who would be the, the payers in this system? Mm-hmm. Yet yeah. in particular in, in these times of pandemia, uh, we uh, they they spent quite a lot of billions and billions and billions for example for testing of COVID in Germany it's around about 1.5 billion euros per week in Germany is paid for testing. Wow. 1.5 billion and so it's it's not a matter of having money it's it's a question of priorities and where yep. you put the money in. And if we say innovative, innovative means also flexible. Um, to be honest, governments are not really flexible because flexibility means um, acting differently in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And then with the, the great insurance companies, they also have to think differently. And again, they are also very bureaucratic. They need to earn some money. And so, at at the end, what what we really need are people. I will call them influencers. Although I do not mean what the rest of the world means with influence. What I mean is is persons who are prominent, who take care for others, and um, people in the rest of the world will at least listen to that. Mm If we have people such as that, um, we could speed up
3: better than now. I'm totally sure.
0: I agree. What do you expect for the future of Alzheimer's disease and dementia?
2: Okay. Um, yes. I, I mean, um, first of all, which is what, what is very clear is that the, the amount of patients will increase dramatically. Mm-hmm. Within a relatively short period of time. So, according to um, studies I have seen, um, it will almost double um, worldwide, um, will be the 2050 round about 146 million worldwide, which is quite a lot. Uh, the costs will increase without any doubt. Um, but again, we um, so again, what, what I hope is what we talked about, that thinking and strategies will change. Mm-hmm. What I expect, and this is coming again from from biological and chemistry um, perspective of development. What I really expect is that we'll have within the next 10 to 15 years um, yeah, tailored but because it becomes more and more obvious that Alzheimer is not one form of Alzheimer, but a lot of different diseases, mm-hmm. which now are summarized as Alzheimer's. And if we are able to identify that by science, if we are able to apply test systems very early, let's say if we make um, search as a standard in people six years. Just to identify very early whether they may have Alzheimer's or not. This will be a good thing. We will have a fair chance to, to decrease numbers mm-hmm. of, of Alzheimer's patients. I don't know. I don't know whether this will be a big decrease, but it will one. But what I really hope, but I'm not really sure whether I expect it. In the near future, is thinking differently. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I hope that that even if if people look on this video now and about our discussion and what what is consensus between um, us, I think quite a lot of other people, that laughing is a very good therapy. Accepting and laughing, even suffering, I, I think even suffering, is very important because again it's also very emotional and you may remember later yeah and no. you remember as, as well as for funny things
0: mm-hmm.
2: so just expectations we will um, increase science with good efforts and good success and hopefully we will change the let's say environment for more innovative and more social aspects of therapy
0: yeah, I, I agree. You know, one of the things you were talking about was the numbers, you know, are going to go through the roof. And yet we don't really even have the equation of how COVID is going to affect that, where we know COVID. Yes. Uh, and so that's going to be really interesting to watch in the future yes. as well. Um, this, is also
2: one, this is also one aspect in, in, my, in my book. And um, at least we have seen this in Germany. I don't know how the situation is in the U.S., Due to these uh, measures and close downs, Mm -hmm. um, uh, old people, in particular Alzheimer's patients, were not allowed to have visitors for a long period of time. Yeah. So it it was like in jail. And what we have seen here by good studies now, that in the last two years, there's a big progress in patients having Alzheimer's. the, the let's see the speed of progress seems to be higher than than before mm-hmm. which might have some some viral associations or whatever, but I think it's also a social aspect
0: yep yep I i'm almost sure yeah we're we're we see the same thing I've heard that all around the world with um you know the isolation and You know, it's been, it's been hard, not only for those um, diagnosed, but staff as well. And I mean, that the whole staffing issue is, you know, a crisis pretty much all over the world, which is making things even more difficult. So, you know, we have to get back to, in my opinion, this human compassionate side and um, deal with the reality of being human and what that means and what we want that to look like, because, you and i could be next so could our listeners with this disease and we have to give thought to how do we want to be treated how do we want to live our life if that disease would hit us you know this isn't about other people this hits our families and it hits our friends and it has no boundaries you really can't protect yourself against it you know you can you can try real hard to eat right and exercise and do all the things that they say Um, but again, there's no, there's no guarantee. So we have to look at a broader, a broader picture and the, um, the social aspect I think is, um, just such a humane one and such a vital, vital piece for people to stay connected. So I loved when you were talking about, you know, you go visit your folks for three hours in one hour, you're working on the tasks that have to be done, but you make sure you have your time with them. That you're not losing your relationship Absolutely. and that's Absolutely. very very important well i appreciate you taking time with us today um again um why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can purchase your book and how they can contact you
2: so at this point in time my book is is um, available in german language as mm-hmm. an e-book on amazon but it will be translated within the next, let's say two to three weeks into English. And then it will also be available as ebook and ebook and, and paperback um, again on Amazon.
0: Okay, wonderful.
2: Just a, a brief comment, and this is also something I stated in my book. Um, I think it, it turns a little bit out that commerce or commercial is not everything for me. It's just it just said you need some money for projects. Mm-hmm. And what I propose is that from all the um, the money this this book will make, I will spend thirty percent for Alzheimer's uh, Alzheimer societies, and also for, for something totally different, but I'm a really fan of uh, is doctors without borders. Okay. So I, I will not make any money out of it. And the remaining I will make for my or will use for my own Alzheimer projects. There are some ideas I have where I unfortunately need some money at the beginning, and then it will pay out and will be for and will follow the same the same concept, all the money which comes in, 30% will go into other projects.
0: Wonderful. I love that. So we You know, we'll never have enough projects out there, you know, testing the system and and everybody needs something different. You know, there's the same when you've met one person with dementia, you've met one same with care partners. We all we're all coming from a different space and time and and that can change as well. So we need we all need as much help as possible with this. We also have listed his contact information for LinkedIn and his email, you know, so feel free to reach out to uh, him with that as well. And again, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for caring so well for your your folks and sharing your experience with us. Really appreciate it very much.
2: It was really impressive. It was fun, and we also laughed a little bit. That's right. We sure
0: did. We sure did. To our listeners, I hope you um, enjoyed this show. Please like, click and share. Don't don't keep this information a secret. Check out his book and get it in German right now. But in a few weeks, it will be available in English on Amazon as well. So until next time, thank you, everyone. Have a blessed week. Bye.